Easter. Exciting day at Community Baptist Church. Uh, we have baptism to follow after the morning service, and so uh, we're looking forward to that. Yes, sir. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. That's the way to take a stand. Sometimes we need to take a stand, folks. Oh, yeah, this is true. It's a safety hazard in my occupation. Thank you, Randall. I appreciate that. There's a lot to that, what we just said here, right? Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. We're continuing our study through the book of Hebrews. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, first off, let me say thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we would ask that before you leave, please take time uh, to fill out a visitor card there are, should be on the back table, and if I could have a couple of my ushers before you depart today to make sure that we do have those visitor packs. Uh, this gives you some information about the church, about the church ministries. Inside you'll find a visitor card. We'd love for you to take time to fill that out, and you can just leave it on the table. Uh, we will find it, and uh, this way we'll have a record of your being here, but also it, it allows us the opportunity when there's other events coming up, we can contact you if you so wish. And so we're just grateful you've chosen to be here with us today and trust that uh, you are met with the love of Christ here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting, uh, just to sort of give you some background, we do things a little different here at Community Baptist Church. We actually uh, believe that in studying God's Word, we should do so a book at a time, line by line, verse by verse. And so our pulpit ministry uh, supplies us with the study uh, through a book at a time, and we are currently in the book of Hebrews. There is a Bible on the pew in front of you. There should be. Those red books are Bibles. If you need one, I invite you to take that and follow along. You'll get a lot more out of the message if you are looking at and reflecting upon the Word of God. And so we're in the book of Hebrews. This is a letter that's been written to... A specific audience and it's important to understand who this audience is so that we can rightly interpret the book so that we can rightly divide the word of truth so who is this audience who is the ones receiving the letter well the letter at this time was written to uh, basically three groups this was a predominantly Jewish congregation some of them were believers. They were believers in Jesus Christ, that Christ was the promised Messiah. He is God incarnate. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so there were believers who believed the message of Christ. Their hope was in who Christ is. But there were some that were there that were not believers. And then there's a third group that was there in their midst that were, they were faithful Sunday attenders, if we could use that term. These were people who kind of had the outward look. They understood who Jesus was. They understood the teachings of Scripture. They were right there at the edge of commitment but they never actually took the step. There never was a full surrender. For the longest time, I was that last group. I was 25 years of age before 
Christ got a hold of my life, before I surrendered my life to Christ. Oh, if you asked me if I was saved and on my way to heaven at age 11, I'd have said absolutely. If you'd asked me at age 21, even though I was living a life of sin and in debauchery, if I was going to die and go to heaven, I'd have said yes. Because I knew who Christ was here. But it had not yet made it here. And it definitely wasn't being lived out here. And so this letter is very applicable to us as an audience today when we take into consideration, even though it's written to predominantly a Jewish audience, hence all of the Old Testament references, hence all of the appeals will go through to, to Moses and the high priest and these type things because of some of the ritualistic practices that that culture in that time were still doing and still struggling with. Well, do we need to still do this now that Christ's come or do we need to do... And so there was these things being wrestled with and so the writer is writing to, to encourage them in truth. But let's just be honest. Even today, within the four walls of this building, we have all three types. Now, only God knows the heart of everyone sitting here. I don't claim to know any of your heart. In fact, the Bible even tells us that who can know their own heart? The heart is deceitful and wicked. Only God knows who are His. And I encourage you, if you are here today and you're listening to this message that you will take a moment and allow the Spirit of God to work in your heart to show you who you are. Am I the believer? The committed follower of Christ? Or am I a non-believer? Eh, I, I just, don't, I just don't, I don't buy into that. I don't believe that. Or have I been wearing this mask? Have I kind of put on a front or... Maybe I spiritualize things and, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm a professed Christian, but I'm not a possessed Christian. And I pray you'll let the Spirit of God search our hearts today to reveal the truth of who we are in His sight as we go through the Word of God. So, there you are in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 3. And we pick up from where we left off last. And today we find ourselves in, in Hebrews 3, verse 7. My goal is to try and make it to the end of chapter 3 today. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. All right. Yeah, we might not get there, so, but we're going to try. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Let's go ahead and look at the text and listen as we read. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. And they've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, 
While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom was He angry? Forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Heavenly Father, you have said in your word that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Lord, I I lack the wisdom to effectively communicate this truth. But I am grateful that this message is not dependent upon me, but dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. It's your message. And so, Lord, I I ask, I beg, and I pray this morning that you will deliver this message, that I'll simply be a vessel. And, Lord, that you will bring to remembrance the things that have been studied. I pray that you will silence me in areas where I don't need to speak. But, Lord, I pray for the heart of the listener. And I pray that our hearts be open, that we will hear, and that we will heed, and we will obey. Help us not to neglect so great a salvation. And so, Lord, have your will and way here today. May you be honored in all this done. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you listening? One summer, an annoyed senior citizen from Richmond Heights, Missouri, hung up on President Reagan. He did it not just once, but half a dozen times. The elderly gentleman didn't knowingly refuse to talk to the chief executive. He just didn't believe that the president was calling him. He was sure it had to be a prank. But the Southwestern Bell operator and a neighbor finally convinced him it was for real. As a result, the man had the privilege of chatting with Mr. Reagan for about 15 minutes. Can you imagine (laughs) what that must have been like? Many centuries ago, a young Israelite named Samuel also received a call from a surprising source. He didn't realize who was calling. Even when it was repeated, it came from one greater than a president. At first, Samuel was perplexed, but when Eli told him God was trying to get through to him, he listened. We Christians sometimes have the same response when God speaks to us. Deep down in our awareness, we may have a thought or conviction that we cannot understand. At first, we may not recognize it as God's voice. Then when we're convinced it's Him, we... We're surprised that he'd want to speak to us. But God is personal. He wants us to know him. He's spoken through his written word, the Bible, and through the living word, Christ. 
In addition, He indwells us in the person of the Holy Spirit who enables us to hear His voice. God is always trying to get through to us. That means we must always be listening. M.R. Dehan II, Our Daily Bread. Are you listening? No doubt, God is speaking this morning to hearts. He promises that in His Word. And we've gathered here together today. And let me just say, no matter what the pretenses were that brought you here, God was in the midst of working to bring you here. Because His Word is being proclaimed, and the name of Jesus Christ is being lifted up. And He promised His Word will not return void. And He promised if He be lifted up, He would draw man unto Himself. So gang, I want to encourage us all this morning that if we will listen, we'll hear. Hebrews 3 Again, the writer is continuing, and we started in verse 7, and he says, therefore, and of course, every good Bible student, when we see the word therefore, we automatically say what? What's therefore? Therefore. Good. And so we see therefore is actually to surmise everything that the writer has been talking about until he got to that point. So, we don't have to go back and rehash all of the sermons for the past four months. Let's just sum it up. He started off and he said, I know God spoke to you in times gone by through the prophets, through the law, through Moses. But he says, but in these latter days, in this day, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how he's spoken to us. You want to know his message? Look to the cross. You want to know what he has to say? Look to the person of Jesus Christ. And so we've been unpacking chapters 1 and chapter 2 up to chapter 3, and here's kind of what the writer's been saying. Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the law. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels, because they thought the angels, they were very mystical in that the angels delivered the law to Moses. And so in the Jewish culture, they had a, there was this starting to be a bit of a departure into that mystical and so the writer was trying to, to hit his audience where they were and say, look guys, no, 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 no. Many of you in that congregation had professed Christ as their Savior. But there were many still there that weren't. And we're reminded that even today, the Bible says that the wheats and the tares will grow up together until the day of harvest. So even in our churches, even in our Bible-believing churches all across the globe, there are believers, non-believers, those waiting at the door, deciding, responding, should I or should I not listen and follow Christ? And so the writer wants them to know, and here we enter into today another of the warning passages. Hebrews has several warning passages along the way. This is one of them. And so he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. 
Now, this is very interesting. Don't miss this, guys. In our Bible studies, if we're not careful, we'll just kind of glance over this. Who does he give credit to in this next section of Scripture he's getting ready to cite? Holy Spirit. Interesting fact, though. Some of you may have a little cross-reference in your Bible. Uh, what is he quoting here? What passage of Old Testament is he quoting? Okay, that's one answer. What's another? I like that one, though. That's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. Psalms. What psalm is it? 95? Let's go there. Everybody, turn up, hold your spot, and, and, and go on over to Psalm 95. And notice down in verse 7 of Psalm 95. He says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation. And it goes on. But anyway, you can go back over to Hebrews. So here's the point I'm saying. Who, who wrote that Psalm 95? David. He held the pen. But what did Hebrews just tell you who the author was? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, gang, is who, again, I know this, this sermon was not meant to be about, you know, the, the inspiration of Scripture, but I don't want us to just gloss over that and miss that. There's also another interesting thing that's happening here. He's writing to, in his day, whoever the author is, and we're not sure, I lean towards Paul, um, but it, it, the author's, uh, the, I shouldn't say, the one who held the pen is not named here. The author's name, the Holy Spirit is the author. But he's writing to his current audience, and he's appealing to David's time, right? And David is appealing to whose time? Moses' time. And he's going to make application not only for today, but he's also going to give us and future generations some instruction. It's the living Word of God. It's the living Word of God. It doesn't change. God doesn't change. And so here we see even this, uh, it, to me, it's, it's just an exciting thing when I study and I see something even just, you know, this simplistic. I don't want to rush over this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, wait a minute. What, what, what rebellion is He talking about? Dun, dun, dun. Is this Star Wars? Is it? No, wrong rebellion. I know some of you were thinking that. Wrong rebellion. Hold your spot. Let's go over to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Now, again, we're not going to read all of this, but this is sort of the place where it kind of all started happening. You'll remember and you'll recall... Uh, that in this section of Scripture is when the spies were sent out into the promised land. 
And you'll recall that those spies went out. And by the way, I'm just going to highlight this. You can feel free to look through there while you're over there. The spies were sent, 12 of them, into the promised land, Canaan. And you'll recall they were there spying out the land 40 days and they came back. And what was the report? For the most part. It was a bad report. They were saying, oh man, these guys are giants. We're like grasshoppers in their, in, in their sight. Even though they brought these giant clusters of, of grapes and it's just, it's God had said, a land flowing with milk and honey. There was all this, this was going to, I mean, this was the promised land. This was a blessing. But you've got 10 guys coming out going, <laughs> we can't do it. They were, as we like to say in the South, scared. They were scared. But there were two. What were their names? Caleb, Joshua, right? They said, we can do this. We got this. Why? Because they were so bad and mighty? No. But because their God, the God, said, I've promised you this. Guys, this whole lesson that we're going to talk about here in this section is all about, do you believe what God has told you? Do you take God at His word? Do you trust that He meant what He said when He said it? And hasn't this been the problem since the beginning of time? I mean, what got us in this mess in the first place? God had given clear <coughs> instructions. And man rebelled. Because in our wicked hearts, we desire to be God. We desire to be the God of our life. We desire to be the master of our ship. Let's just call it what it is. And so in the temptation in the garden, how did Satan come at Eve? Oh, did, did God really say... Did he really mean that when you eat this, you'll die? Is that what he really meant? There was a questioning of the authority of God's word. And Eve was deceived. Now, men, hold your seats. Y'all are the biggest problem, right? Ladies, mm, I know, I know, I, you ain't got to tell that preacher, I already know that. No. <laughs> Adam willfully disobeyed. And then the curse came into the world. Look, why is there death? It's because of man's disobedience. Death has passed upon generation after generation after generation as a result of man's initial rebellion against God. So, we find ourselves wrestling through, struggling through life. And we see here in today's text, again, a writing and a calling to repentance, a return to God because of the rebellion of man. The heart is deceitful. It is wicked. Who can know it? 
And so the Word of God tells us, and he's, he's again giving this warning, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. These spies had spied out. Ten of them came back. And it says there, if you look in that Numbers 14, and again, read it later, but they were not believing. And only the two who believed were promised that they would enter into the promised land because they actually believed God and took Him at His word. And so God swore in His wrath that the others would not enter in to His rest. And so for every day that they were spying out the land became a year that they would wander in the desert. Now gang, I invite you to go and study this out because there's some interesting things that happen. A lot of times you don't hear this talked about. But after the people who came back with a negative report and said, oh, we can't do it, we can't do it. And then the, uh, the, the judgment was pronounced by Moses and Aaron on what was going to take place and what God had said was going to happen now because of their disobedience, because of their unbelief. He said, because of their unbelief, you're not going to enter into that. You're going to, you're going to wander into the desert. You're going to die in the desert. And the next generation, your children, will go into the promised land. Which is very interesting because if you go through Numbers and you read through Exodus, part of all the grumblings and all of the complaining amongst God's people was, we ought to go back to Egypt. I can't believe Moses led us out here into the desert like this and to let us die. We had it better back there. At least back there we had some food. And remember, Moses intercedes. And remember, they got manna in the desert, bread. Jesus talks about it in John, the bread of life. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My Father gives you bread from heaven. Whoever eats of my flesh, drinks of my blood, he will live eternally. Jesus, these are shadows in the Old Testament, guys. Shadows and types to point us to something. Who was they pointing it to? It was pointing to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of the law. All the Old Testament, the prophets, the law, it's all to bring us to Christ. Galatians says that the law was a tutor, a teacher, so that it might bring us to saving faith in Christ. So these types are pointing somewhere. They're pointing to Jesus. And you remember, also in the desert, they were thirsty. Oh, at least we had water back there. He speaks to the rock, and the rock brings forth water. Again, representing eventually the living water. Christ says, I'm the living water. And so their thirst was satisfied. We see these typologies in the Old Testament. These things are laid out in the Old Testament. And the New Testament tells you and me as believers today that the Old Testament is for our example. So we can learn from those things. Think about it. What did they do before they exited out of Egypt? They were told to take a lamb, no blemish, sacrifice it. Remember after the ten plagues, right? Judgment was given. They spread the blood on the lintel of the doorposts. They would not be affected. First Passover. Again, the lamb, Passover, all this points to Christ. So they would be saved if they did that. 
Then they go out and they go out into the, into the desert and as they begin to march, they go through the parting of the Red Sea. It took faith to put blood on that door. It took faith to go out and to come against the water and Pharaoh's troops are coming in and yet God parts the sea and they're able to walk across on dry land. The law was given. All these things happened in the life of these people. But now we see this rebellion gets to a point to where they're murmuring and they're complaining against Moses and, and Aaron and the leadership and they're just, it's, it's, it's just complaint after complaint and they think they were better off. And they even use this excuse for the sake of our children. Let's go back. So you see what God does here? You're going to go out in the desert and you're going to wander and you're going to die because of your unbelief. And your children are going to go in the promised land. Kind of flipped that one over, didn't he? Can I have somebody maybe kick on the air? I know my sermon's not that hot. Um, I maybe have somebody kick on a little air force. That would be great. Don't everybody jump at once. That'd be, uh, <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Josh, I'll, I'll thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So, we see here back in Hebrews, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. I mean, wow! Wow! They saw the parting of the Red Sea. Manna from heaven. Quail. Meat to eat. Water coming up out of a rock. Miracle after miracle. They saw it. And yet they still harden their heart to it. Now, lest we all get real spiritual. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have never done that. Because <laughs> I'm here. Don't we do the same thing? I mean, let's just be honest. We're, we do the same thing. Even though many of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have seen Him do amazing things in our life. I mean... We've experienced some, some God moments. If you've walked with God at any amount of time, you've experienced some God moments. Let me just tell you, if you're here and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've had a God moment. That's how a former alcoholic, drug user, bouncer, uh, party man is able to be a pastor. Because God is in the redeeming business. He'll take the filth and sin of a lifestyle like that, and he'll clean it up and use it for his namesake. And if you've been born again, you've experienced the goodness, the grace of God. So, we struggle sometimes with forgetting where God's brought us from. They saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation. Said they, they always go astray in their heart. And they've not known my ways. Our first warning is a warning to hear if you're taking notes. That was in verse 7. That word today, today if you will hear, it's emphatic. It means now. 
Some of you are sitting here today, and here's the message. Don't harden your heart. If God is speaking to you, don't harden your heart. Whether you're the believer, whether you're the unbeliever, or whether you're the one that He is knocking at your door. Today means now. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he said, Behold, now's the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time to respond to God is always now. Now. We see the second point here, uh, an example to heed, and that's in verses 8 through 11, which we just read. And he's telling us, he's warning us, again, the writer writing to that Hebrew, those Israelites there in that congregation in this writer's day, he, he is, he's saying, hey, take heed. Guard your heart. We saw how Israel provoked God. We saw how God punished Israel. And in verse 12, we see the third and final thing, and that's an instruction to obey. And he's saying, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, let me, say, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. Because this is one of these texts. Hebrews is a difficult book a lot of times, and especially here in eastern North Carolina, where you've got denominations all around, right? This is not teaching eternal insecurity, right? So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. All right, the Bible doesn't teach eternal insecurity. Christ came once to die, all right? It's paid in full. It's done. It's done. And a lot of times people read this passage and say, well, wait a minute, the, the Israelites, he says there, they don't enter in because of unbelief. They didn't go into the promised land. Doesn't the promised land, I mean, if, if, if the doorpost represents salvation, if, if, the part, if going through the Red Sea represents baptism, then, then wouldn't the promised land represent heaven? And that, and that seems logical. But there's a problem with that. Where's Moses? Moses didn't get to go into the promised land, did he? Aaron? No. Well, I guess they just didn't make it to heaven. Of course not. You see, I think what this is actually dealing with, and I think it's very important for us believers today, because Ephesians chapter 1, well, the whole book of Ephesians really helps us process this thought. There are blessings, there are inheritance in the person of Christ. If I come to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ and I am born again. And I continue to walk by faith because the just shall live by faith. Then what should be happening is a Romans 12, 1 and 2 in my life. I'm not becoming conformed to the world, but I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind through the washing of the water of the Word. And that Word begins to take effect in my heart, in my life, and it changes the way I approach things. It changes the way I do things. It changes the way I think and live. Because the Word of God has found root in my life, and so it brings forth fruit unto repentance. How do you know an orange tree is an orange tree? Uh, it's got oranges. You are so smart. Yeah. 
I know an orange tree because it's got oranges. Christian, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. Now, in that case, he's talking about false teachers. We should know them by their fruits too because it's rotten. But as Christians, there are fruits of the Spirit that come forth in our life. And that should be evident to all to see. And so as I continue my walk in Christ, key phrase, in Christ, then I should be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I should become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. I should look more Christ-like. I haven't arrived yet. We're living in a sense, in a wilderness if you will. But if I want to enter into the equivalent New Testament rest, it's by allowing the person of Christ to reign in my heart and life. I can choose to live my own life. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have some desert experiences. You, you want to try and do things your way, not Christ's way? You don't want to believe what God has told you that you have all the riches you have in Christ Jesus. Ephesians. The riches you have in Christ Jesus. If you don't want to live that way, then let me tell you what you can expect. Lots, a lot of desert experiences. And let's just be honest. Sometimes that's why we struggle in our Christian walk. Because we don't believe God at His word. We don't take God at His word, and so we're going to do it our way. Jesus, you can't be Lord of my life in this area. I am. Well, you see how that works out. Sin leads to death. It does. And so, as we continue to unpack the book of Hebrews, we're going to begin to see this picture clear up. He goes on and he says, guard your heart, verse 12. But notice what he does here. Because he says, beware, brethren. By the way, that brethren there, I believe, is a use in the general sense. Remember, he's used earlier he used the term, go back to verse 3, chapter 1. He said, therefore, holy brethren. Those are the believers. Here he says, brethren. I think he's speaking in a general sense, the Jewish audience. Beware, brethren. Because, by the way, was everybody in the, it, it, that came out of Egypt, were all of them people saved? No. All of them put that on their doorpost. Doesn't mean they were all saved. What about the ones in Korah? Ground opened up. Ah! They fell into the fire and they were burned? No. What about the ones having a little uh, shag party out there after they, you know? Not all of them. Some of them. Because Aaron was leading away on that little shindig, wasn't he? And just like in this building today, there are some who are believers and some who are not. There are some who will go to heaven. There are some who will not. Now the way is provided. Whosoever will, let them come. The invitation's open to all. Whosoever will, let them come. But not everyone will. So he continues on. He says in verse 13, you want to know how to guard hard-heartedness? God's word gives us a clue right here. Here's how we're going to guard against hard-heartedness. But exhort one another daily. While it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Whoo-wee! Encourage the brethren! How different the story of the Israelites in the wilderness might have been 
Had they shown a daily concern to promote among themselves an abiding faith in God instead of a mutually inciting discontent by murmuring and unbelief? Pastor Hamby said that. How are you on your encouraging one another? As disciples in Christ, they will know us for our love one for another. That's how the world knows that we're followers of Christ, because we love one another. Are we doing life together? Are you doing life together? Yesterday was good. Man, we had some guys out here. We're rolling up our sleeves. We're cutting some logs and, you know, hauling some trees. And my back's still hurting today. <laughs> I know. We're doing life together. Sin is deceitful. Underline that, that next one. Sin's deceitful. It creeps us. It creeps up. It's like a lion waiting to pounce. You better be doing life together, encouraging the brethren. This is why, as we're going to find later in Hebrews, there's such an emphasis on the gathering of the saints. We don't come to church just to be religious. That's what this whole letter is about. It's, just, it's saying don't go back to the religious stuff, all the trappings. You don't need all the religious stuff. Those were shadows. Those things are done. It's complete in Christ. So encourage the brethren. I'm going I'm to put a stop point here. I know there's so much more that, that we need to look at. Man, so much more. Anyway, I love this stuff. And I love you guys. We need the Word of God. We need each other. There's a warning for us to hear in this passage. There's an example to heed. That's why we have the Old Testament example. We need to pay attention to what happened to them because of their unbelief. We've been instructed to obey. Let me give you a closing story that maybe will, will, will help sort of tie this together at this, at this point. How many of you are familiar with Schofield? D.I. Schofield. Yeah, my first Bible. I had a Schofield Bible. Yes, I did. And it was a good Bible, don't get me wrong. It's the most marked up Bible I have in my possession. I still preach and teach from it a lot of times when I'm traveling. I love that Bible. I won that Bible as a new believer. Pack a pew Sunday. Seriously. Roger can relate, right, Roger? Pack a pew winner. By the way, a little quick shameless plug here. We are having Pack a pew Sunday. April, first Sunday in April, I think it is. Correct me if I'm right, my secretary. My, my secretary. By the way, if y'all hear I ran away with the secretary, it's true. That's my wife. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Sorry, she's going to get me now. But first Sunday in April, pack a pew, going to bring all of the adults in, okay? And, and also, too, I think we're looking at on the following Sunday, pack a kid's pew. And we're going to kick it off on the Saturday before with Lagos and Lego. Logos is Greek for the Word. In the beginning was the Word, right? The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then we find out later in John, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. 
So we're going to give a Bible story, and then the kids are going to build something from the story they heard. That's coming up on Saturday, April 8th, and then the next day, pack a few kids Sunday. All right? So just, just letting you know that. All right. So, Schofield. Here's the story. Dr. C.I. Schofield, author of the well-known Schofield Reference Bible, worked as a lawyer before his conversion. One day, a Christian lawyer by the name Tom McFeeters called on Schofield in his office. As he was about to leave, he suddenly turned around to where Schofield stood and facing him directly said, For a long time I've been wanting to ask you a question that I've been so far afraid to ask. But I'm going to ask it now. Schofield said, I never thought you was the kind to be afraid. What's your question? He said, I want to ask why you're not a Christian. Schofield had not yet been converted. He said, why are you not a Christian? There was a pause of silence for that question had come so unexpectedly that for the moment he was staggered by it. Schofield thoughtfully answered, Does the Bible say something about drunkards having no place in heaven? I'm a hard drinker, Schofield said. You've not answered my question, McKeeter responded. McFeeder. <clears throat> I ask, why are you not a Christian? I've always been a nominal Episcopalian. Some of you didn't know that about Schofield, do you? But I don't recall ever having been shown how to be a Christian. I don't know how. That was the answer to his friend McFeeder's question. <clears throat> McFeeder, drawing his New Testament from his pocket and taking a chair from the lawyer's office, he sat down and there and then read passage after passage from the Word of God, showing God's way of salvation simply and clearly. Then he put to Schofield the plan and definite question, Will you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm going to think about it, was the answer. No, you're not, answered McFeeters. You've been thinking about it all your life. Will you settle it now? Will you believe on Christ and be saved? Schofield was silent for a moment in deep thought. Then turning, he looked at his friend full in the face and said... I will. Are you listening? Because there's no doubt this morning the Spirit of God is speaking to some hearts here today. And for some of you, you're here as a non-believer. And you may go out of here as the same way you came in, scoffing at the things of God. My heart breaks for such a people. Because the heart of God is that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So I know it's the heart of my Father. Perhaps there are some here who 
He's knocking on your door. And just like the Hebrew audience who was receiving this letter, they were sort of holding on to the ritualistic, the religion, the religiosity. Oh, they tasted of God's goodness. They'd been in the midst of the crowd of God's believers, but they had never committed. They've never surrendered their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Maybe that is you. Will you listen to the voice of God today? Will you respond to what the Spirit of God is asking you to do? And that is to turn to Him in believing faith. Put your trust in the finished work of Calvary. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came. He fulfilled the law. He went to the cross and He laid His life down for our sin. He made a payment on our behalf in His blood. And He was buried. And three days later, He rose from the grave, victorious over death. And He promises, whosoever will, let them come. He says that if you will call upon His name, you shall be saved. For by grace have you been saved. Through faith. It's not of works, guys. Or we could boast about it. No, it's a gift. It's a gift of God. And if He is knocking at your heart's door today, will you please, by faith, step through, receive the gift that He offers you? He'll give you a new direction. He'll give you a new life. Believer, guard your heart. You don't want to do a wilderness wandering, trust me. Don't forsake the assembling. You need each other. You need to do life with your brothers and sisters in Christ because we're here to do this together. Murmuring and complaining, not that there's any going on here. We have an example of where that goes. Let's put our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you search every heart here today. And Lord, if there is anyone here that does not know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray today they will respond in saving faith. If you're here and you want to know how to be saved, we'd love nothing more than to share with you from God's Word how you can have assurance of salvation, how you can come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're wrestling with these issues, if there are things in the heart that, that you need to talk about or deal with, I want to invite you to respond to what God is doing. Danielle, I'm going to ask if you could come and play for a second. Nobody looking around. If you'll just stay in an attitude of prayer. I also want to ask um, Randall, if you could stay right there.
Dean, if you could come down here to the front, please. Miss Holly, could I borrow you for a second, please? I'm going to ask Miss Danielle to play. And I've got some folks down front here that will pray with you. And I'll call some more in to pray with you. All I'm asking is you respond to what God's doing. It may be salvation. It may be confession. It may be I just need somebody to pray with me because I'm in the wilderness. I, I don't know what you're dealing with, but God does. And I know that His Word does not return void. And so I'm going to ask that today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the day of rebellion. Nobody looking around. If you need to come forward, the invitation is open. Please come. Father, in this moment of invitation, I know that there are many who are dealing with issues. And this invitation is open, so as I pray, I, I pray that the saints will join with me in prayer. That the Spirit of God will bring conviction, will lead them out of their pews. That whoever needs to get some things dealt with, that they'll just come. Maybe they just need a shoulder to cry on. Maybe they just need somebody to pray with. Maybe they just need a hug. Maybe they just need a little encouragement. Lord, you know... And so I pray that they won't resist what the Spirit is saying, but they'll just take this as an opportunity to respond in faith, that they'll hear what the Spirit is saying. They'll heed because of the example of the Old Testament, and they'll obey. Amen. Anybody else? Come on down. Been a while since you've been to the old altar. That's good. Come on down. Praise the Lord. Miss Allison, if you could, please. Anybody else? Altar's open. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is given to us as believers. This word that was used in our text we looked at today is the same word that's used for the Holy Spirit when it speaks of encouraging, when it speaks of coming alongside. 
of one another. Paraclete. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit encourages us and that He works through fellow believers. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to one another. Help us to look to Christ that we will rest as we'll look in the days ahead in this, these passages of Scripture, what it means to rest in Christ. Whatever burdens we carry, I pray today, we lay them at the foot of the cross because Jesus is enough. His grace is sufficient. And to you be glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a number of young folks who make a profession of faith in Christ. And so our first baptismal candidate is May Noachek. And the Noachek family has been an important part of our church family here for some time now. And we are just really excited about Miss May coming to us and desiring to be baptized. So I'm going to ask you, Miss May, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Based upon that profession of faith in Christ, I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen.
knew Christ as her Lord and Savior, and she wanted to be baptized. And so that was really exciting for us and encouraging for us. So Sarah, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay. So based upon your profession of faith in Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Continue to pray and encourage one another. Continue to be salt and light 